for the first time ever, we have a Locked On Gators, Locked On Hurricanes crossover. I'll be joined by Alex Dono in just a second here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is an epic crossover that's been months in the making. Even though our teams didn't play each other and won't play each other again until 2024, we had to make the lock, Locked On Gators and Locked On Canes crossover happen. I'm Alex Dono, joined by the air quote man himself, <laughs> Brandon Olson. Brandon, my friend, uh, so we're, we're into day two of early signing period it seems like uh most of the activity for both of our teams happened on day one how's day two treating you so far absolutely quiet <laughs> it's, it's just that there's not a single peep to be heard from the florida side of things it's quiet i mean it's one of those things where it's good that it's quiet because florida signed their entire class on day one Jaden rashada who you're familiar with was the last guy to sign uh he signed wednesday pretty much at 5 p.m., which means Florida Gators fans were like, why hasn't he signed yet? Forgetting that he's three hours behind us. So he signed at, you know, lunchtime for him. But for us, we were like, okay, this is really late. But day one's quiet or day two's quiet and um, probably going to stay quiet despite Jordan Hall and Desmond Ricks committing today. Now, obviously, on the Miami side, everyone knows the drama is still continuing with Cormani McLean, who's the only Miami verbal commit who hasn't signed and hasn't signed anywhere to this point. Other than that, everything went as planned. Uh, you know, you mentioned Rashada being the last one for Miami. Uh, Francis Maui Goa was the last one, and it was a similar situation. People forgot he was over in Hawaii, so he was six hours back. That's why, like, when people were tweeting, where's Francis, where he wasn't awake yet at that point. So it happened uh, in the afternoon, our time. Uh, did you guys have like any any scares on the Gator side, you know, for players you thought might be flips, like outgoing flips that, you know, the crisis was averted at the end of the day? Yeah, there were a couple of guys. I think the one that had the most smoke was Andy Jean, who also you're familiar with. Um, but Andy Jean is probably the, uh, the the most threatening one because he had actually taken recent visits to Florida State. So it was like, oh, like is Andy Jean going to make his round of his tour to Florida over here? Um, but he ended up staying, which was big. I know that Jakeem Jackson had quite a few programs in on him. Kentucky was pushing hard. I know that Sharif Denson, obviously, you spoke about it, I think, on Monday. Yeah, Miami Sharif, was pushing. Yeah, of Sharif Denson being a possible flip. But he was, if I'm not mistaken, one of the first ones to actually sign that letter uh, Wednesday morning where – there were a few guys that Florida was worried about, but I think that you walk away from that day one as a big win because you had 21 guys committed going into the day, 20 signed their letters of intent, and the one that didn't, there are rumors that he wasn't academically able to go to Florida. So the one guy you didn't get is someone that, I mean, I know there's a rumor that Florida didn't send him a letter of intent at all because he wouldn't get, I don't know if that's true. I do know the academic concerns were there. Uh, so, so the one guy who didn't go maybe couldn't get in. So I, I think that as uneventful as it was, it's a win just walking away with your guys. 
Yeah, it felt pretty much the same way uh, with the notable exception on, on the Miami side. I know that like early in the day had been a little bit worried about the Dillard duo of Christopher Johnson and Antoine Jackson. They both ended up signing. There is something weird going on with Jackson. I didn't talk about it in, in our morning episode today, but like so a few hours after he signed and faxed his national letter of intent, uh, a tweet appeared on his account that said something about how he was going to leave Miami, but then the tweet was deleted within set. I don't know what happened there. Um, it's, a, <laughs> I mean, he's he's officially enrolled. So <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll see if anything anything more comes out of that saga. But listen, one of the reasons why we had to do this crossover, especially during recruiting time, is there were some battles between Mario Cristobal and Billy Napier. And there could be, with before it's all said and done, there could be more battles before late signing day. There could be more battles in the transfer portal. You know, you already mentioned the name Jaden Rashada, which was obviously a big dub for Florida because he was committed to Miami. You guys flipped him. Uh, we thought Cormani McLean was a dub, but it may end up, he may end up enrolling in neither school when it's all said and done. But well, what's it been like for you, Brandon, the, these recruiting battles between Miami and Florida, what they've been like from your perspective and how they've been to cover? I love it. Like, I, I know Miami's won more often than Florida has. Everyone knows that. Everyone, everyone that follows any of this knows, hey, Miami's gotten the better of Florida for the huge majority of these battles. But it's just been so fun to cover it where, you know, you see these these regional battles happen all the time. But now it's Florida and Miami, both reeling in good classes. Obviously, Miami's class is phenomenal. Uh, so phenomenal. I almost just dropped an F-bomb on, on how phenomenal <laughs> it was. But obviously, Miami's class is very good. Um, and, and Florida's is still like, I'm cool with, with 12 for now and hopefully adding to it through the transfer portal and through late signing day. I'm okay with it. I'm not going to be mad that Florida brought in 19 four stars, uh, but the constant back and forth between Florida and Miami, where even after kids committed, you know, Cormani committed to Miami and immediately it was, well, that's who he's, that's who he committed to, but who will he sign with? Right. And obviously Florida was going to push for that. And, and with Jakeem Jackson, Sharif Denson, just all these guys were even after they committed to a program, it was, well, we're still going to push for them. It's been just so entertaining. Win, lose, or draw, I guess, if they go to neither Florida or Miami. <laughs> win, lose, or draw, it's just been incredible to cover. I don't think I've ever been even remotely as interested as in recruiting as I've been, just because it's been so intense and so back yeah. and forth. and. I mean, obviously, everyone knows I've been on the receiving end of the uh, the Miami Hurricanes thing. Um, <laughs> but, hey, it, it's fun. Like, Miami fans roasted me relentlessly that entire day. And I was like, yeah, I deserve it. Good. It, it's intense battling. I love it. it. It's fun to do. Yeah, and and my when uh, when the Jaden Rashada flip happened, I I go to bed so early. Like when I woke up that morning, at like the first thing I did at like six, seven a.m. when I checked my phone was, I see my timeline is loaded, and all of the tweets I was mentioning had WNS underscore Brandon like part. Of, I'm like, oh no, what happened? And then I, I realized I realized Rashada had flipped to Florida because he did it at like I don't know eleven p.m. midnight. I was I was in bed at ten thirty, so I woke up to that. That was nuts, man. And, and it's one of those things, Brandon, where um, I, I, you know, as an old school Miami guy, 
you know, I, I take the rivalry with Florida very seriously, even if it's not a year in, year out on the field rival. I still kind of consider it to be that. I have those same sort of feelings for Notre Dame. Miami doesn't play them every year, but I still consider them a huge rival. In fact, like I was t- I was on a crossover with the Florida State guys a couple months ago and I told them, like, I don't I don't hate your team as much as I hate Florida or Notre Dame. And they were kind of surprised by that. Like, how, wh- where does Miami sit on the pecking order rivalry for you? I think now it's one. It, it yeah. didn't need to be one, but now it's one, I think. And I think not playing them every year kind of makes it more fun as well, where it's like you get to see a year-round battle where you go back and forth. You know, if Florida beats Florida State or Florida State beat or Florida State beats Florida, you kind of just go, okay, like you won the game that year. You get to talk all you want and you get to say whatever you want. But with Miami, it's like, yeah, well, we play every few years when they set it up but there's just constant recruiting battles i think part of it also is just florida state not being near that top in recruiting where florida state has a good class but they're not really going after these regional battles and winning them often there's there's one or two but i feel like it's not even as tense and even the ones that they do win, like keldrick falk florida was in on and and he didn't even sign with florida state so so things like that where I feel like Florida State's just not as fun to talk to. And also their fans just their fans don't talk nearly as much as Florida or Miami fans. So it's just not that. as it's like you're talking trash to someone and they're just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, so so what's even the point there? But I think especially given how intense recruiting has gotten with between Florida and Miami and both being in a similar spot as far as new head coaches or at least first year at that program head coaches. I think it's just so fun where they're both rebuilding, but social media has helped made this feel like it's like number one versus number two. And they hate each other when realistically, obviously it's nowhere close to that, but just the heat has never been hotter in this rivalry. When we come back, we have to talk about Cormani McLean drama because from a Gator side and a hurricane side, we've both become very familiar with what that drama can look like. So keep it locked right here to this epic Locked On crossover. Today's episode of Locked On Gators is brought to you by the NHTSA. So I'd like to think that I'm an open book here. So this one does touch home with me. I lost a teammate of mine in April 2021 to a drunk driver. So when you're hanging out with friends and putting back a few drinks and a few becomes a few too many, or even if one of your friends is doing that and then they want to drive home, don't let them. Just don't. It's dangerous. Don't do it yourself. The results are tragic and often deadly. That doesn't stop people from getting behind the wheel, though, because most people aren't like, oh, what if I kill someone? Most people are, well, I don't want to get a ticket. Try not to kill people. How about that one? Especially during this holiday season when it's uh, it, it's pretty crazy out there right now. It's pretty hectic. So just be safe, drive sober, or get pulled over. Alex Dono from Locked on Canes here with Brandon Olson from Locked on Gators. So um, obviously the Miami is experiencing some Cormani McLean drama right now as it looks like Colorado has entered the mix. This is like a yearly Deion Sanders tradition. Let me find the top-rated cornerback and offer him on signing day. <laughs> it's a Deion Sanders tradition. Uh, I think Alabama is still pushing for Cormani. I wonder maybe if Florida still could be uh, could be pushing as well, possibly. Uh, and you know, the, the latest I heard, by the way, on McLean is he is not going to be graduating high school early. So he won't be an early enrollee. That makes me think he might wait till February to sign a national letter of intent. So there could be a couple more months 
for, well, about a month and a half left for Miami, Colorado, Alabama, Florida, whoever else. So we're experiencing McLean drama right now on a hurricane side. You guys experienced that on a Gator side, uh, October 27th, when he announced his commitment. Uh, what happened there? Yeah, that was a fun one. Because here's the thing, too, because I feel like a lot of people gave Cormani McLean crap for it um, because they were just like, you were supposed to be a Gator. He said nothing to ever indicate where he was going. Even the air quotes episode that, that we had John Garcia on, even then, it was all, both of us very clearly stating public perception at just tracking the visits, tracking everything that was public, it felt like Florida, Bama. Like, like it didn't feel like Miami was super in there because he hadn't been on campus in months, all yeah. that stuff where- I, I was at Epcot because I didn't think I even needed to bother to watch the ceremony. I'm like, I was riding test track with my kid and then I got the news <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> yeah, it, it was insane because publicly it felt like Florida or Bama. But I mean, on my side, it felt like Florida more than anything else. And then it's very much not Florida or, or Alabama and it's Miami. And I feel bad because Cormani kind of got a bad rap for that amongst Gators fans where he did nothing wrong. Like, I get it. He then wore like a, I think it was a shirt that said Gator hater or something like that. But Okay. Well, he actually wasn't even that. I think he took a picture with somebody who had the T-shirt on, and he was like pointing to it. Was what it was. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's harmless. Like yeah. I, don't, yeah. I don't care what you're gonna do. It, we've seen Roger Kearney committed to Florida State immediately, like not even 20 minutes following his visit to Florida, and he's right back. People don't take those recruiting things personally. Like that's not a thing that that you really get concerned about, but. The Cormani McLean drama, it's fun that it's just following where his recruiting is going, and he's not necessarily doing anything wrong. Like, he's just keeping his options open, and everyone's getting upset with him about it, but he's not doing anything wrong. You know, he's considering Colorado, which how could you not? You're a DB where you can get coached by arguably the greatest cornerback to ever play the game, arguably. And you, you have to accept that. I honestly, I, I hope he flips to Colorado, not even as an anti-Miami thing. Uh, I, I want it to be a thing where every year <laughs> Deion Sanders just doesn't even doesn't even attempt to recruit the top DB or the top corner. And then on signing day, he's like, hey, do you want to do it? And the kid does it. Like, I, I just want that to be a thing every year where whoever it is just flips. And watch, next year Florida's going to get the top corner, whoever that's going to be at that time. And he's going to flip to Colorado because he's already done it to Florida State. Now he's going to do it to Miami and then he'll do it to Florida. And let's just make it a thing where Dion's just coming for the top corner and bringing him in. It'll be fun. Why not? Yeah, it's, it's funny. Like I, I tweeted this morning, like the way that Dion recruits, it's like the way that I used to study for tests in college. Like I'd wake up the morning of and like, oh, let me crack this book open and see what's going on. Like he, and, and it wasn't even just uh, the top corner because apparently – he was calling uh, Hakeem Williams yesterday, the five-star receiver who committed a floor sit. Like he calls him like the morning of signing day. So he probably just asked his staff. He's like, "Hey, give me a list of all the five stars and give me their phone numbers." He just like went through the Rolodex. Seems like the way that this may have gone for Dion. But yeah, it's uh, it, it's pretty wild there. Um, 
So uh, anything else, uh, Brandon, on Florida's recruiting class, uh, give fans an idea because, again, Miami's going to see Florida on the field in a couple of years. And, you know, we, we all watch a lot of SEC football. I watch a lot of Florida games. Uh, which of Florida's recruits, which of their signees are you most excited about? Uh, I mean, obviously you have to go with the quarterback. So Jaden Rashad is someone I'm very excited about. But when you're looking just further down, uh, Andy Jean is someone who, like I mentioned, like you're familiar with, but I, I love him. I want him to fit into this offense so good. He's such a clean route runner for a high school athlete where you don't get to see that very often. A lot of times in high school, it's just like, well, I'm a better athlete than you. So I'm going to put up yards, but Andy Jean does it by actually finding ways to get open. And that's something that I'm looking forward to where, we didn't really have that with Florida this year. Florida just had a bunch of like six, three dudes that couldn't move well, although they can run straight really fast, which is awesome for you. Um, but that doesn't get you open. So Andy Jean is someone I'm looking forward to. Uh, Jakeem Jackson, also someone I'm very much looking forward to. I think he could start or he can slot in at either the star nickel defender, whatever you want to call it, corner safety. I think he could play so many different positions that, it's got to be just just when you look at Patrick Tony, the defensive coordinator, who's also the safeties coach and who is a, a nerd. Really, he's he's just he's a nerd. He likes to get creative and get fun with these things. I think you look at someone like Jakeem Jackson, and it's like we can do a lot with him. And just the the physical side of it, I'm looking forward to that. And I I can't wait to hear who you got for Miami because you guys have a billion five stars. So so you get to do that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to narrow it down, and I know that whoever I don't mention, there's going to be people in the comments like, how come you didn't mention Ray Ray? It's like everyone loves Ray Ray, Joseph, as do I. But I'm going to zero in on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football because, A, that's what Mario Cristobal does best is building up the line of scrimmage. That's his calling card. Uh, and, you know, specifically at, at edge rusher on the defensive side, you know, Reuben Bain is a South Florida favorite, Miami Central. He's setting sack records left and right. He's a four-time state champion. Like, he, he might be the best high school football player of all time. I'm excited to see him at Miami. I could say the same about Jaden Wayne, who's a really polished, you know, four-star. Used to be a five-star. They took a star away for reasons I still don't understand, uh, edge rusher. But, you know, the, the guy that I'm probably the most geeked out about is Collins Achiampong. He's very raw. Because he, you know, he grew up in Ghana. He only came over to the USA in high school, but six foot seven uh, edge rusher with all the athleticism in the, in the world. So I, I can't wait to see what they can do with him. Right, he gets to work with someone like Jason Taylor and Roderick Wright uh, with the the edge rusher edge rusher coaching that Miami has. And then obviously, you know, offensive line. I mean, I, I know you guys are very familiar with the Pancake Concho, Samson Okunlola. Uh, you know, he's he looks like an absolute stud. And, you know, Francis Maui Goa, uh, you know, I was talking about him on the episode this morning. Not only is this guy, he seems to be at about as close to plug and play as you can be at 18 years old, but he's versatile enough to play every position on the O-line. And that's something that is very important to Mario Cristobal and Alex Mirabal. They like guys to cross train at every position. So just because Francis may have been recruited as a tackle doesn't mean you might not see him at guard and in an emergency, you might even see him at center. So I, I think those are, so those are some of the guys that really stand out to me. And when we come back, I want to talk about biggest needs because like for as good as Miami's class is, there's a couple glaring needs that I hope they address in the transfer portal. And I'm, I'm sure the same can be said for Florida. So we're going to get to that and more here on this locked on crossover. 
And thank you so much for making us, whether it's Locked On Gators or Locked On Canes, your first listen today, available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So, you know, Brandon, uh, biggest areas of need. We still have uh, almost a month left of transfer portal action. Uh, what are some of the areas uh, Billy Napier needs to address most on the Gators? It's, I mean, you have to start with the offensive line. You've got two guys committing. They're two of your lower-ranked commits in this club, which, again, you know, Florida did the thing where they didn't get any five-stars, but they had 19 four-stars. So it's a lot. Wow. 19 of your 21 kids are four-stars, but two of your lowest-ranked kids – are on your offensive line. They are your only offensive lineman that you have right now. Obviously, uh, Florida and Miami went at it for a few offensive linemen, and Miami won all of them, uh, which is not surprising. But this is one of those things where Florida needs help on the offensive line because they've got just not a lot of talent. Dan Mullen didn't recruit offensive linemen. Now Florida's in a weird spot where you did great recruiting corners and DBs in general. You did great recruiting receivers. You've got your QB and your transfer portal QB. So you've checked off the two biggest needs there just in terms of positional value. And you really need help on the offensive line. This is just tackle. You're good because you've got guys for now. But you look at 2024 and beyond and this roster is going to be barren unless you figure it out. So I think Florida... You've got two offensive line coaches. One of them is, I think, one of the most underrated offensive line developers in college football in Rob Sale, your co-offensive coordinator, or your offensive coordinator and offensive line coach. But I think that you've really got to attack offensive line and you really have to attack linebacker because you're losing Ventrell Miller, you're losing Amari Bernie, both to the NFL. You got a lot of inexperienced guys there and you're bringing in Taraja Mitchell from Ohio State as a linebacker, almost indefinitely. He hasn't publicly committed yet. But you got Taraja Mitchell from Ohio State, but he hasn't played football in almost two years now. So congrats. You're bringing him in, and that's awesome. Or, well, he hasn't played football in a year by the time the season comes around, almost two full years. So you've got guys, but you don't have a plug-and-play starter anywhere here, and you've got to attack that offensive line if you're Florida, where Francis Maui Goa, Samson Lola likely would have been starting for Florida next year had they committed there. So this is something that you've really got to address and attack, and as good as Florida did for most of their positions, you've got some glaring weaknesses. Yeah, as as far as uh, Miami goes, I I think the two biggest needs by far – uh outside wide receiver like it's it, it's almost it's almost embarrassing how poorly Miami has done and they've done great in the slot like uh Ray Ray Joseph Robbie Washington I think can both be impact players and they're already loaded with slot guys I mean Xavier Restrepo is back Rashard Smith is back so they look great uh but they need more of these six foot four six five uh, guys who can get contested balls, and uh, they just there's just none of them in Miami's recruiting class. Like uh, Miami was hoping maybe for some miracles, like oh, can we flip Brandon Ennis? Nope. Hakeem Williams? Nope. Jurion Dickey? Nope. Uh, so I, I think that's got to be a big thing that they hopefully address in the transfer portal. And I know that a lot of Hurricanes fans will say, well, no, no wide receiver wants to play for Josh Gaddis, the offensive coordinator. We'll see how much he might be hurting that area. And then, uh, yeah, they definitely need more at defensive tackle. Uh, you know, losing uh, Daryl Jackson in the portal to FSU was uh, was a big loss. He was he, – I think he played even far more snaps than Leonard Taylor did last year. You know, they got Thomas Gore in the transfer portal, but I, I don't think he really fills the shoes of Daryl Jackson. So I think they need more there. 
uh, in the portal as well. So we, we will see. Are you expecting uh, like a really busy transfer portal, uh, Brandon, from the Gator side? Do you think Billy's going to be very active there? Yeah, I think that's an area where he seems like he wants to go in and bring maybe not a lot of players, but just players that he knows will contribute early on. He did it last season. He brought in a bunch of portal guys who almost all of them played immediately. And the ones that didn't were freshmen that came in and transferred. And that was mainly just Cameron Waits who came in from Louisiana. He was a Billy Napier kid and he came in with Billy Napier. Billy Napier, of course, brought in Osiris Torrance, Montreal Johnson, both from Louisiana, which we spoke about off air where it's really telling how lacking in talent this Florida Gators roster is when you bring in two players from Louisiana, the group of five, which everyone's been dunking on Billy for, with G5 <laughs> Billy, uh, but he brings in two G5 players and they're two of the best players on the team immediately. Yeah. I don't care about, you know, they're familiar with the system. They went out there and Osiris Torrance got himself a brick at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium being an All-American. Montreal Johnson, leading rusher on the team. So he brought in transfer portal players that, came in and immediately were some of the best players on the team. And I would expect him to do the same thing. And I mean, he's got his likely starting quarterback for 2023 now with Graham Mertz out of Wisconsin. Yeah, no. And yeah, that, that was an important move. And yeah, for, for the Miami side, I'm uh, you know, they, they've got a big incoming freshman class. I got to double check the math on scholarships, but four transfer portal arrivals so far, I'm expecting probably a half dozen more, something close to that. So it's going to be fun to see how this all plays out. Guys, make sure you follow uh, the shows on Twitter. Follow at WNS underscore Brandon. Follow at Locked on Canes. And, dude, this was a thrill. And I hope that uh, I hope that on the Canes fan side, they realize Brandon's a good dude. And I hope uh, on the Gator fan side, they hate me a little less. No, I want them to hate you more. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, Brandon's a good dude. Eh, kind of. <laughs> but I, I want Gators fans to just let the hate flow through them. <laughs> Just directed at Dono, not me. I'm sick of that one. Fair enough. All right, we'll talk to you guys again next time on another Locked On, part of the awesome Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.